カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. We've been exploring these, our relationship to fear. And appreciating, you know, how the fear of so many things is what keeps us out of relationship. With ourselves, with our own body, with our own mind, with our own heart. And then, of course, others. And just really beginning to look at these, you know, two sides of the same thing. Yesterday, looking at our greed. As Ayo, you know, guided us so skillfully into, and then looking at the other side of that, which is generosity. Not enough, I want, I want, and plenty. Everything is available. And last night, Chodo. Bringing us into our next poison, our next medicine of anger, hatred, resentment. You know, this being here at Garrison always reminds me of this teaching because this rug, and、uh, I don't know if you've really looked at it, and.、Uh, For many years, I felt deep aversion to this rug. <laughs> We've been coming here, I don't know, like 14 years or 15 years, and looking at this rug. And、uh, it's been really a home for us for all of our residential retreats and with this rug. And this rug has what looks like to me, you know, which is a very traditional Buddhist.、Uh, Symbol is a swastika all around it, like so many. And so, for so many years, it just made me feel like, really? You know, before the rise of the Nazi party, the swastika, which is actually, this is a other, it's turned, which is so interesting. Some of you might know this. You actually can see lots of old Buddha statues with a swastika here in the heart. And it's not because they were part of the Nazi party, it's because it, it's a symbol, actually, 
often thought of as Mount Sumeru, which is the center of the world. It's a saying that I am nowhere else. Which we've been talking about. That medicine of being nowhere else and so interesting, you know, literally. The symbol was literally twisted to be a symbol of something much different. Just like anger. Probably all of us know where it can be so harmful. Three hundred thousand years ago, remember? <laughs> Old school. Some of you know I love things like this. It always feels like it puts things in the right perspective. There were nine human species. Do you know what they were? They were walking around and talking and having babies and crying and hunting and eating and pooping, just like you. Literally all over the world. By 10,000 years ago, some time had passed. All but one were gone. Homo sapiens. For many years they were wondering, like, how did this happen? Like, where did they, like, where did they go? There was no obvious environmental things, no volcanoes or, which I don't know if that's true, but asteroids, like the one that wiped out. There were several extinctions. But it's thought to over about 350,000 years, over a little time, that the Homo sapiens just actually committed genocide of all those other groups as they spread from Africa. So our group comes from Africa, but sometimes we forget that there was groups everywhere. Southern Africa. So the humans, the Homo sapiens, our group caused the sixth mass extinction, which also brought this extinction of mammoths and ground sloths. So we just like wiped them out, wiped out other humans who are different from us. 
and the greed of, you know, over hunting mammoths and sloths. So we see like these three poisons, the wisdom of Shakyamuni Buddha. That he was just like tapping into what was always true. And I, what I always appreciate about the Four Noble Truths is like he didn't say like, I invented it. He just was like, this makes a lot of sense and this feels true. Check it out. Humans are dangerous. As we know. I was talking about yesterday, just we live in a dangerous country, but we've been lived in a dangerous world because of humans for a long time. To me, it's so helpful to like, oh, for hundreds of thousands of years. Because many times we think these are new ideas. Like racism is old school. Like we literally cut out whole other completely different races of humans. So I mean I really think about how when we get caught up in our opinions and evaluation. We miss the opportunity to feel compassion, love. More interested in being right and the violence of being right. That again and again we see play out in this world. So I've always thought about, you know, that story of Shakyamuni Buddha where, you know, he, which this is the kind of story of this time because as we head into December, which is when we honor Shakyamuni Buddha's steadfastness in waking up. We retell the story of the young girl who was like, you look so skinny and you're doing like crazy shit. Do you want some rice milk? <laughs> you're getting a little far away from being human. You know, have you seen some of the, at that point, it said that you could actually, he could grasp his spine. You know, like he was like that skinny. Pretty skinny. And she served it in this golden bowl and the golden bowl had this rice milk and then he set it into the, 
stream there and he said, if this flows upstream, I will attain the way. But if it floats downstream, I won't. Lucky us. <laughs> upstream. in many ways it's like this is why it's hard and we always want to like close our eyes and drift off and instead of like really realizing like it takes steady work to go upstream steady practice it's not like I'll try it out situation steady 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 No gap. What does that look like? It's so easy to get one-sided. It's so easy to think I'm right and you're not. Or I don't agree with what you're saying and so I want to you know, dismiss you. Ever do that? in the last couple minutes. <laughs> Perhaps. It's violent. It's a form of violence. To me, it's like that's the beginning of violence. In our thoughts, when I think like, no. What you have to say, what you are about, You know, it's because Shakyamuni Buddha was talking about it, thoughts, words, and actions. It's always the beginning of violence is in how we think. The poison of anger is a poison when we just let it seep into our resentments and how we wished it was. So powerful. Hmm. It's easy to say I'm for nonviolence and bonk someone over that with our ideas. As Dogen was saying, that we have to be willing to actually even give away the truth, how we hold the truth. I don't agree. them. <laughs> now I feel indulgent with paper.
I wrote about this, and, but I love it so much, where the Buddha's son, Rahula, it's always to me important, because people are always like, wait a second, like, I'm, I'm not a monk, I don't have a family. Like, he had a family too, it's important to remember. And they were so inspired by his dedication that they all actually joined practice too. His stepmother, his wife, his son. When Rahula was seven, little boy, he joined the community of monks and nuns and traveled with his father and the Buddha gave him two pieces of advice to guide his journey on this Eightfold Path. First was always tell the truth. And the second was to watch before, during, and after what you do. And see if your actions were for the happiness of yourself or others, or not. How's that going? So powerful. So what is telling the truth? I hear very often people say to me like, well, I don't know, I don't know. And I often think people are lying when they say that. I often think I'm lying when I say that too. It's different than like, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, which we don't. But so, there's a certain quality, just, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but just like when we say like, oh, I don't know, it's just like a way to kind of, because <laughs> I don't really want to take a look. Or I don't want to say what is true. Maybe even to myself. I know this has been very true for me. Rather be pleasing than true. So it's a really interesting combination of teachings from this father to son. Be true, but then also watch before, during, and after so attentive. Like really be in your experience. Don't be anywhere else. It goes back to the image of the swastika of Mount Sumeru here. Like, okay, okay, how's it going? Starting, middle, end. Am I here? Are you here? How is this impacting? So like really looking at, so the Buddha, he's like telling us really notice impact. 
So how do we pause and integrate this when we feel really angry and activated? Anyone really good at that? No hands. This is what we're going to be exploring. Maybe the most important thing. This is why this, because I think anger, many of us have experienced anger as being a place of such harm in our lives. It's definitely true for me. And some of us have been completely shut down by it. Others of us like will do anything to avoid it. Both in ourselves and others. So this poison, I think, is one of the trickiest. Because we, in some ways we have to be able to acknowledge, like, I've been so harmed by it both by myself and others. Like how do we have a tenderness towards that experience? That all of us have been harmed by ourselves and by others in some way. And some of us in very grotesque ways, for sure. And others of us in subtle ways, and all of us somewhere in between. And to me, there's something so humbling to realize that's just true, and actually what makes us, you could say, a human family. tough and important. Because if we want to be free, you can't, oh, just like, I'm not going to deal with anger. I'm just going to like put that in a little trunk and pretend I'm not harmed by it. Or don't Myself, actually, that's where it gets even weirder because then, like, anyone ever try to like suppress it in yourself and it pops up like towards other people and like really sometimes bizarre ways. Toto calls me on that. So good. This is another reason why you need your pips. Like you're doing that thing. You're being an ass. And most of us, because we're so busy suppressing, it comes out in such passive aggressive ways. Mean sometimes. People familiar with this? 
But how do we just, you know, to me, the beauty of practice is to like, yeah, we, this is just part of the deal. For at least 400,000 years. Remember? Like, those are our, our ancestors. Not new. And as we've been exploring, it's not personal. It's just that, but we have our, <laughs> I and I and I were talking about this yesterday, and Chara and I often talk about people say like, people are just doing the best they can. No, they're not. <laughs> we all could do a bit more work. You know, I think of Shinru Suzuki where he's like, you're perfect and complete, lacking nothing, and you could use some work. You know, like that's true for me, that's true for everybody, right? We're not really doing the best we can. What does that even mean? Can I share that story? Jodo. Zoe. Yeah. You've talked about it. Yeah. So, thank you. So, Jodo was in, with his therapist for a very long time, and he tells this story publicly, so it felt okay. And uh, we were talking about his mother, and he's like, well, you know saying like, oh, she was doing the best she could, and his therapist, Zoe, was, she was amazing, and she said, no, she didn't. No. So powerful. That's a pip. Right? That's what our inner Gladys needs, right? We need that person who's like, no, that's not good enough. You could be a little bit more responsible. Humbling. How do we stay grounded? And so that we can, when we're receiving aggression or offering aggression, we're actually aware of it. I'm like, cut it out. When that's available. When you feel safe enough to do that. But to me, it's a really good thing. I'm trying to do that just with myself. Cut it out, Koshin. Giddy up. Come on, I could do better than that. I don't have to do that. Like when Chodo calls me out. It's so generous. To me, it's like the beginning of a real relationship. And of 
course this is true at the bedside. That if we don't have a very good relationship or at least some familiar relationship with our aggression and hatred, it's gonna come out in really weird ways at the bedside. Some of you know, like I was like a weird clown for a while. I was like, I was so uncomfortable. And so like I said, instead of dealing with that, I was like, hi, hi, you know. Some of you might have that. A mask that you put on, but that kind of everyone can see through the mask except you. Anyone have one of those? Just one, two. Now there's more, more honesties coming. So learning, because it, it actually, it matters. When we're with other people, it matters. And you can feel who's like pushing it down, pushing it down, like I'm not angry, I'm just feeling love and light and like, <laughs> And he's just like, right? Anyone ever experienced that? In themselves or others? I mean, I've experienced it in myself and others. Because I was so busy trying to be liked, so I was like, no, everything's great, you know? Just love everything that's happening. You're just like full of rage and being phony. And yet it's possible. To be loving. In the face of it. And sometimes the loving is cutting it out. Cut it out. Don't talk to me like that. That could be towards yourself, <laughs> right? Don't talk to me like that, self. Or with people we care about, you know? Don't talk to me like that, it's not okay. I want dignity. Respect. We have to train ourselves. To me, like, that's why we're at this retreat, that we're, we're developing and building community. Because you can't do this without community. This is like long run stuff. That's why I show up. to remember the Alamo. <laughs> We're gonna visit Sarah at the Alamo, meet you there, at the gift shop. <laughs> hmm. 
So 2,500 years ago, there was a, or so, there was this group of women practitioners who were led by the Buddha's aunt, um, Mahapajapati. She was like such a badass. And like, so, like, I just think of her often and we have a statue of her in the Zen center and we remember her and she's one of the people that we dedicate our chance to. Because she, you know, was pissed off. She was angry. She wanted to practice. And the culture of that time, which has not changed so much, is deeply misogynistic. People familiar with that? Yeah. Still true. So the Buddha, you know, he was quite radical and, you know, he, about caste and breaking caste and all of these different things, but like, he was like, oh, women, like, ooh, that's hard. Ever reach a limit where you're like, oh yeah, I accept all people, but not that group? Anyone do that? So painful. Like we all probably have a little group that we're like, not really. Everybody but, right. So the Buddha was like that, like us. But what was so amazing about her is that she's just like, okay, I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna ordain, I want to ordain. So she led 500 women who also were like, we're doing this. And they walked for a long time to the Buddha's, where, his, where he was at his monastery and like, we're ready. And Ananda like was like, but you know, they're outside and they're ready. And he was like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready. And he went out and Ananda. And he's like, he's not ready. And they're like, we're ready. So you better talk to him. And so like, to me, that's like where you transform your aggression into love, like the love of practice and the vigor that it requires to do hard things, to go against the stream. Like transforming this fury. Like what, you're not gonna ordain women? You know, like Anyone ever feel like that? And turning it into getting it, making, like transforming like that coal into a diamond. You know, it's like that, like to really change it into what it's really about. That's when people can hear you, right? And we can hear each other. We're like, oh, what do you love? What do you, what do you, what do you want? And so they used all of it to meet there. And then the Buddha, of course, because his teachings were about that liberation is available to everybody. So eventually he, he did ordain everybody, all these women. 
that's so badass to actually feel like this is not fair, this is not blah, blah, blah. anyway. And it, instead of retreat into that, which I think all of us know, retreat into like, oh, people are familiar with that? And then you like find someone else like, yeah. Ever do that? And then you get a little gang, you're like, eh, eh. It sucks. If we think about the Buddhist instruction or Rahula, like what does that actually feel like? Not great. It might feel lively in the moment. Long run feels terrible. So I'll end with a poem from poem. By one of these women, Genta. Isn't that cool that we have these poems from those women? And it's called Conqueror. So exciting. I was forever getting lost until one day the Buddha told me to walk this path. You will need seven friends. Mindfulness, curiosity, courage, joy, calm, and stillness, and perspective, not just your own. For many years, these friends and I have traveled together, sometimes wandering in circles, sometimes taking the long way around there were days when I thought I couldn't go on. There were days when I thought I was finally beaten. It's scary to give all of yourself to one thing. What if I don't make it? Oh, my heart. You don't have to go it alone. Train yourself to just train a little more gently.